Hey there, this is Daniel. Thanks for listening to DIY Money. Now, if you haven't already, be sure to give us a five-star review so your friends know that this is a show that they can learn from. Follow us on Instagram at DIY.money. Now, enjoy this episode. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to another edition of DIY Money. DIY Money. All right, Daniel, we got a, a real, I would say, pretty easy question, but I'm sure we could extrapolate it out. Uh, this one comes from Austin in North Central Ohio. Austin, what do you got? DIY! Hey guys, this is Austin from North Central Ohio. My wife and I have a growing family and we have prospected a specific home in our community that is larger and more accommodating for us. The owners are interested in selling it to us in the next probably one to two years. Right now we are about to receive a large tax return and we're planning to save this return for that upcoming home purchase. The refund amount is around $10,000, so I'm looking for some secure options to house the money while ideally, you know, getting something with a high ROI above maybe a standard money market account if possible. I'm just wondering what you guys would recommend we do with this extra cash. And lastly, just keep in mind using the money to pay down debt or start a side business isn't really an option because those things are already taken care of. I appreciate hearing your feedback, guys, and thank you for all that you do. All right, Daniel, what do you got for Austin? This is kind of in your wheelhouse, right? You're saving for a house. We are saving for a house. What are, we, what are you doing? I mean, I know I hear you're going to the casino every Friday night, which is a little weird, but what's that? What's that all about, Daniel? That's our fun money, man. <laughs> no, we don't go to the casino every Friday night. Quinn's joking. Uh, yeah, so Austin, first things first. Um, if I throw on my financial planning hat, uh, my biggest concern here is that you're getting a $10,000 tax refund. Um, maybe that was an accident miscalculated something greatly or uh you or your spouse you know uh, started a new job and sort of haven't dialed in the taxes yet but uh first and foremost i would say you know use some pretty active planning uh as far as ensuring that your withholdings from a tax perspective are, are pretty close to what they should be so barring any really uh you know extenuating circumstances in this particular tax year um you know, really dial that in. And there's people that you can talk to that, that, that can help with that. The reason for that is, is $10,000 over the course of a year is, is roughly about $800 a month. Uh, 800 times 12, that's what, 9,600. So, so just a little bit more than $800 a month is what you're basically giving to the IRS. They're hanging on to that. They're not paying you any interest at all. Uh, and then when you file your return, you get your money back, um, and, which is what that is. It, it's your money that they basically held on to in case you owed it. Um, with a little bit of planning, and, and you can, you know, if you're self-employed or, you, you know, you have a, a specific tax situation, maybe you're in sales and um, sometimes you have higher commissions, lower commissions, things like that. Um, you know, you could just look at that number about every quarter and see if you are on track to pay what you need to pay for the year without paying a significant sum in more than you owe. Uh, the reason for that is, is that's, you know, $800 more into your budget. You could be throwing that into savings, um, doing something with that other than just, you know, allowing the IRS to have it. Now, some people like a small return versus, um, owing taxes when they file their tax return. And that, you know, that's a nice psychological thing. Uh, the fact is, is that it's a net net. Um, for, for those of you listening, um, who don't have a real deep grasp on sort of taxes and tax returns and all that understand 
that um, when you file, the IRS is just catching you up to where you should have been throughout the whole year. So whether you pay it as you go um, or you sort of pay or get a refund when you file your taxes, it all comes out, barring any interest and, and fees, um, that you owe to the IRS for underpaying. All things considered, it's pretty much going to be a wash. They're just settling up with where you should have been based upon your tax situation for the whole year. So it's really important to dial that in. There's some calculators on the IRS website. They're pretty arduous, uh, like most things IRS-related. Sorry, people who work at the IRS. The calculators on there aren't awesome. Uh, With some math, you could do that. If you're working with a financial planner, they should be able to help you dial that in uh, pretty close as well. So that was my first big concern, Austin. Um, $10,000 is a lot. I would say anything over $1,000, and you should really try to calculate a little bit better um, how to use that. Because now you're talking about $100 a month that you could be putting into a Roth, uh, into an investment account, or into something um, throughout the year and still be basically net-net uh, even. So so that was the first one. The second, the real heart of your question that you were asking is, well, what do we do now with this $10,000 that we are pretty certain that we're going to want to use in two to three years? So if I wanted to buy a giraffe I, today, I could buy a giraffe. And Austin, this question came in uh, kind of a while ago. So uh, the market has gone up and or down and then up pretty significantly since I think you uh, submitted this question. And so I think that is a really good illustration that when you have excess cash like that, um, and you know you're going to need it soon. Now, the market has bounced back significantly from its lows, but the stock market is not a great place uh, for short-term cash. Short-term cash being anything under about five to seven years, because that's about the length of time for a market cycle. Now, we have seen since the 2009 bottoms, you know, we've had some dips along the way, but uh, for all intents and purposes, the the market has steadily climbed higher, like a sort of stair-stepped higher over that time. We've had some scares. We've had some uh, down 15%, down 20% in that time period. Uh, but overall, it's really just sort of marked time higher uh, if you really back out and look at things. However, that's not the case. Uh, sometimes markets go down. Sometimes they take two, three, four years and historically, they've often, uh, or not often, but they have taken even longer than that to recover. So if you were to put, say, all of your money in a low-cost S&B 500 index fund, which is a great investment long-term for a lot of people, uh, but then you needed that in two years, there's no uh, there's no promising that in two years that won't be about 30 or 40% down right at the time that you were wanting to buy a house. So what do you do? You know, if you were investing in the long term, you would say, well, you just kind of um, create a good allocation between stocks and bonds. But even in a two to three year horizon, that's not really going to do it because you're still going to have pretty significant volatility. Uh, even a 50 50 allocation, you're going to be looking at um, annualized volatility roughly in the range of, I would say, eight to 10%, uh, which means that. Boy, we're going to get into some math here. If you're if you have eight to ten percent volatility in a portfolio, that's roughly 50-50. That means that ninety five percent of the time, uh, it's going to be plus sixteen to twenty percent, and um, minus we'll say fifteen percent. You know, somewhere in that range, roughly. That's really bad napkin math, but you kind of get the idea. You have a wide range of returns that even that portfolio can do. So here's what I would do, and here's what we're doing with our cash that we're saving for down payment. We're keeping it very, very boring. We're putting it into a savings account that's currently yielding 1%. And we're putting about uh, 65 to 70% of it in that 
savings account that's yielding effectively 1%. It's not going to do anything exciting, but if we find a house in the next month, six months, one year that we really want, we know that that cash is available. It's ready to go. What are we doing with the other uh, percentages that... Um, roughly 30-ish percent extra. Well, we do have that exposed to some risk. Uh, for our family, that's actually in some corporate bonds that are just yielding a little bit more than our savings account. So um, I've done the math there. I'm kind of comfortable with the risk uh, there. It's, it's kind of helped juice the uh, bottom line interest rate for us. Um, it works out for us, but we do take on some risk. So uh, for instance, when the market went down considerably during the pandemic, those corporate bonds, they got hammered. Uh, and so if we had found the house right at that moment that we wanted to buy, we wouldn't have had as much of those funds available if we really needed to sell down those corporate bonds. Uh, we're willing to be a little bit more patient. And so we're willing to take on some of that risk. Those corporate bonds mature in about a year and a half, which is right about the time that we think we are going to get very serious about home buying uh, and looking and so forth. So it, it's all sort of lined up pretty purposefully for that. I would say if you are just you know, want to do the sort of the mindless thing, um, stick it in the highest yield savings account you can find savings account, not, not bond, not product, not nothing. Um, literally an ally or a capital one or a market savings, something of that nature that's yielding right now around 1%. Know that you're not going to make a lot of money on that, but that it's there for you to jump on opportunity when you find opportunity, or it's there to be safe in two years when this house becomes available. Well done, old chap. Jolly good work. I have very little of substance to add. I'm very curious about the whole two-year negotiation thing. So obviously this is someone you know. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe, you know, I, I don't know. It's a unique situation because you have, you have pinpointed a home. You have a relationship with this person. You're sort of working a deal. My red flag with that is that if you have a relationship and you're looking out two years, you are entering into a, a sort of you're, you're entering some emotion and relationship into a big financial transaction and you're projecting out your view of the market, the real estate market in the next two years, which if you've learned anything in the last six months. Oh, my goodness. You better flip a coin. So I don't want you to box yourself in, uh, you know, to something where these people are like, oh, it's all good. We can do whatever we want because in two years, uh, what's our guy's name? What's his name? Austin. 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 Sorry, Austin, Central Ohio. Uh, you know, in two years, Austin's going to buy this house. So we're good, you know. Uh, and then all of a sudden you find something else and it's like, ah, I'm sorry, we, we found this other home and it's cheaper and whatever. Or flip flip the other side. You know, two years from now, the market is a totally different market, meaning they're soft, much softer. And maybe you have this uh, this price that you've kind of pre-negotiated and you think to yourself, boy, this is this is not really a good price. Right. So, again, I would just homes tend to become emotional decisions. And I'm going to tell you, the more you can make it an unemotional decision, the better off you'll be literally it it is it is four outside walls maybe more a place that you go to bed at night i mean it 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 that's it and i know we become all tied up in this this home to buy or to sell and i see all these emotional decisions 
Again, the more you can keep it unemotional, business-like, the better off you'll be. Follow Daniel's guidance regarding the cash situation and absolutely stop giving the IRS a tax-free loan for $10,000 for a year. That's terrible. Uh, And then, you know, keep this as a business transaction. Great question from Austin. Sorry it took us many, many months to get to your question, but I wanted to pull that out of the queue. And what Austin did, if you're new to the show, it's real simple. He dropped us a voice memo. Send it to podcast at DIYmoney.org, podcast at DIYmoney.org. He sent his in March. So if you're sending it now and you're like, boy, I haven't heard it in a few weeks. Well, we have a great uh, queue full of great questions, but we want more. So continue to send those questions on. We'll be using them in videos as well. Uh, We might use them for blog posts. So please use them. And if we do end up using it on this ever so quickly growing podcast, boom, we will send you a $25 Amazon gift card. That's again, if we use it on the podcast, we'll send you a $25 Amazon gift card. Be sure to check us out on Insta. That's DIY.money. And if you're an old school Facebooker like myself, you can hit us up on D on the DIY tribe. We have a Facebook page too, don't we? I see you answering questions on the Facebook page. Yeah, it's linked kind of to our... We don't really put anything on it lately. How do people get there? I don't even know how to get there. DIY Money Facebook page. You can search. You can find it. You can like it. (laughs) We haven't posted much on it. We're going to tie this stuff up together like a nice bow here pretty soon. We'll have it it squared uh, pretty quickly. Hey, we're good with money, not with social media. But we're getting better. We're getting better. So stay tuned. All right. Remember, friends, the secret to wealth is very simple. Live on less than you make. Invest the rest. Do it so you are being wise with your capital. Stop giving the IRS tax-free loans and do it for a very long time. Make it a great one. Thanks for listening to this episode of the show. If you want content delivered to you regularly, be sure to follow us on Instagram at DIY.money. And if you want your question aired on the show, be sure to send that to us and you'll get $25 Amazon gift card. This show is for entertainment and educational purposes only and is not intended as personal financial advice. Before making any financial decision, please do your homework and consult a financial advisor as needed.